0: Yes, of course. Burl bearer I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm not more. I didn't supply the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the sopoli beautiful Hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand-in-hand to create a better life just for all of us. Right? I don't get it. I don't <laughs>
1: understand what that means. I live in the hills of Encino. I haven't seen industry and what's, what's the
0: other thing? Industry and nature. Industry? And, and you rarely see any nature up here. Yes. <laughs> no, well, the nature of time. the beast we'll discuss today. program is produced by Magic Matt Allen, who is a true broad- uh, broadcasting professional. I am the legendary burl bear. Howard Lapidus, the man who just interrupted moments ago, he is uh, executive producer of the now semi defunct Celebrity Rehab. No, no. Oh, no. <laughs> You're going to reveal the we're truth. back. Huh? You're we're, back. You're yeah, black. You're yeah. loud. You're proud. You got a plan to stick it to the man? I, I revealed it last week. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't here when you were exposed... Yes. To- <laughs> Whatever, I'm going for season six. Season So you found some celebs? That were, no. Oh, you haven't yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, this is where you're wrong. We're actually, and this
1: is the truth. We're going to do real people this time.
0: <laughs> non-celebrity rehab. We're do non-celebrity okay, rehab. Okay. Well, one, we have uh, an entire military that apparently needs some rehab. Maybe you can work on that. Isn't that the truth? We got Celia McCain. Hi there. Hi. How are you? Better and better. Do you have industry in nature? Where you live? No, just nature. <laughs> <laughs> just nature. Well, she's lucky. She's lucky. Uh, the book, the story, the fictionalized movie, the book, Murder and Baker Company. I got to tell you, this. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, ladies and gentlemen, this will make the make you aggravated, <laughs> make you furious. <laughs> uh, well, see, so you, so you're furious,
1: right? You're, you're, this is why you're dedicated, kind of, your writing to this, right?
2: Well, uh, yes, I'm furious. Um, but uh, you have to be able to set that aside so that you can get to, to what's really going on. Um, but, yeah, I'm. it's sad. I'm furious. I'm sad. Um, all sorts of things.
0: Well, I'll tell you, when, when we think of our, our dedicated service people that put their lives on the line, uh, supposedly, you know, to defend uh, defend us, defend our freedom and that sort of thing. And then I, I read your book and I read about this fellow calling his dad from Iraq uh, just freaking out. Uh, that uh, they're not getting their supplies, they're not getting food, they're not getting water. Uh, it's a ho- I'm, I'm stunned to read this.
2: Right. That was in the uh, early stages of the invasion on Baghdad, and there were um, issues with contractors, um, who, who, which company was going to win which contract, and, and caught in the middle were our, um, our, our troops. And so, until they had that worked out, they were having to share food and water, and uh, didn't have enough to go around.
0: And bulletproof jackets—what the families had to buy the servicemen their own bulletproof jackets?
2: There were times, yes. There, there, there were uh, certain um, companies that that ran into that, yes.
1: Let's talk. Let's quickly, Burl, talk about the uh, what the book is about, what the case is about, what exactly happened, and what I mean, when when I say Celia, isn't, Celia is inflamed. But, well, no, <laughs> enraged, she's, kind of, yes. she's enraged, and she's kind of put that aside to to be, you know, a, mm-hmm. a objective, a yeah. journalist uh,
0: uh, of, of the highest. Yeah, so, uh, order. G- give us That's- the the basics of the story.
2: Well, basically, um, when our country invaded Iraq in 2003, the Baker Company, which is now referred to um, as Bravo Company. But historically speaking, Baker Company is is the most revered, simply because of the Audie Murphy connection and, and different things like that. So, as, as Baker Company um, is part of the um, the uh, the guys going in and females going into Iraq. Um, they were at what you call the tip of the sphere. Our guys made a, a form, a formation, a, sp- a sphere-like formation, and these guys that are depicted in, in Murder and Baker Company were at the very tip of that. So they saw the worst that you could imagine and um, went through a lot, We're working under a, a commander that um, later would come under um, charges for murder and dereliction of duty and a whole array of things. Uh, so, anyway, they go through the invasion on Iraq. Then, after that <clears throat> part is over and they're getting ready to rotate back home, they spend about six weeks parked um, in a three-mile section uh, right outside of one of Hussein's palaces. And in this section, um, <clears throat> they, they didn't have enough food. According to them, they didn't have enough water. And the water they were getting were, were being uh, recycled out of the Euphrates River and it was being done incorrectly, so we had a lot of soldiers getting sick from contaminated water from the Euphrates, which, you know, of course, you can imagine the filth that was in that. And um, they get back. uh, It was Richard Davis, Jacob Burgoyne, Alberto Martinez, and Mario Navarrete, and Douglas Woodcoff, this group of guys. And the night they get back to Fort Benning, they all decide to go out and enjoy their their time. Um, yeah, their freedom, their home. So they go to Hooters, where <laughs> a lot of soldiers will go. They have a lot to drink. They start club hopping, and one thing leads to another. And there's a fight. And Richard Richard gets uh, beat up pretty bad. And they drive him out to a um, secluded area. Um, and surround him and stab him to death. Um, he was stabbed in excess of 100 times.
3: Jeez.
1: Um, At about 64, don't they think they've got the idea?
2: Uh, it was it was a savage. It it had a lot of earmarks of gang uh, a gang style killing. And um, they they stabbed him to death and then set him on fire. So,
0: what I thought yeah. it was interesting when they, they asked the guy why did you set him on fire So, said well that's what we did with the bodies in Iraq
2: that's
1: what they did right um, um so Burgoyne Br- 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 the, and these guys w- w- were they were they gang were they got a gang
2: well this is this is the problem you cannot get the military to admit that we have gang members in our military um they just won't admit to a problem you, with
1: it. You can't. They won't admit to it. But uh, do the internally? Do they know there's a problem, or is it something they, yeah. that Oh god! yeah. They, oh, yeah. And, and, the, the FBI and
2: has been warning them year after year after year. So what
1: are they do? What are they doing? I mean, they're not telling us or admitting to well, it. But uh, what what are these guys doing?
0: Are they doing Uh, anything about it? They they dropped the standard, didn't they? I mean, didn't they have this thing called a moral something or other? Well, Well, there's
2: the moral waivers. And what that means is if you've been in a game before and you sign this little piece of paper saying you're going to be a good boy from now on, they'll let you in. That's a moral waiver.
0: So if you Um, promise to be a good boy, even though we know that you probably killed several people and you're a gang member and you're a criminal, we'll let you into the uh, armed services.
2: Mm -hmm. And we'll train you to kill with the best weapons, the best techniques in the world. And then when you come home, you promise you're not going to carry this into the streets of America, which um, I can tell you right now is already happening.
1: Oh yes. Well, I mean, what do they say? Yes, Mister Sergeant, I'm going to. I'm going. To, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, of course they're going to do that.
2: Right. That's well, also this- they, they they have pictures of uh, the different. Hey. You know, there's different gangs, uh, and they have their rivalries and whatnot. But when they when they're all in the military, they don't really mess with one another. And there's even pictures that the FBI has published of different gang members holding up. Uh, different gang hand signs that signifies which gang they're in, and they're all standing together wearing American uniform.
1: But they don't when they're in the military. They, the lines are, are then, or The lines are blurred. Then the
2: lines are blurred. Is is what I've been told by people who research this uh, relentlessly. the The lines get a little blurred. Um, there's not as much. Uh, as if they were at home on the streets, they would be a rival gang and threatening each other all the time. When they go into the military, it's sort of a truce, gets called.
1: So uh, what, what percentage, uh, let's pretend we've got 100,000 troops mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. What percentage do you think are, are, are cold-blooded gang members?
2: I could not begin to, to make that um, call. I can tell you that a friend of mine by the name of Hunter Glass... Has estimated that there's at least that he knows of at least twenty thousand plus gang members in our in our military.
1: So that's twenty mm. yeah. percent. Well, out of a hundred, I'm wrong. Okay. Well, and, and, that, I'm wrong. and, and,
2: and there's, there's, that's the full because military. these things are not being tracked. There's really no way to know Yeah, about
0: for sure. Accurate. what i what i find most troubling is not only that they're coming back you've trained to be even bigger crooks than they were in the first place but they're enlisting in the armed services mm-hmm. specifically you know for the purpose of hey i like to kill i like mm-hmm. to do this stuff i can go in the army and i can kill all sorts of people and get really really good at it mm-hmm. and it's okay Right. Uh, well, it seems to be, it, be exactly what this one particular fellow's uh, modus operandi was. Burl, he was a killer before he went in the service. Burrow, mm-hmm. Celia, let me ask you a question
1: uh, to both of you. we got a gang member. He's in the service, and now we send him over to Iraq to kill the enemy. Are we good to go with that part? That he's a trained, he, you know, he's been a killer in the streets. Now we've got him productively well, doing something for the country. Is Does that make sense?
2: Well, there's a danger in that. Um I understand that mentality because you think well let's put it to some good use you know for lack of It's ability. not necessarily,
1: that's my question it's not my right. mentality
0: okay
2: Right um it's not a you know it's it's um no it's not a good idea well
0: oh, cuz uh, this fellow if I may interject directly from your book mm-hmm. he uh, says himself he admitted that he hundreds of Iraqi civilians, women, children, old, (laughs) bold people, (laughs) run over babies in the street. It didn't matter to him.
2: He had what's known as 100 confirmed kills. And and, um, until I did this book, I didn't know that they actually had a way of keeping track of that. And the confirmed kills were of the enemy. But he's also admitted on the record that, yes, civilians did and do get killed, and it's because of the type of war I don't want to criticize here too much I know that sounds uh, maybe a little nuts but the type of enemy we are fighting over there hide behind their women and children they put their women and children in harm's way
1: so they're collateral damage at the end of the day and doesn't matter day, much.
2: It, it matters. Well, it matters. Of course, of course it, it matters. matters.
1: But, it, but, but, you know, they, when they're... It's not
2: a choice. It's not a choice that our soldiers won't have to
1: make. So gang and non-gang members are responsible for the deaths of the collateral damage.
0: Right. You well, know, I had an acquaintance of mine, my uh, former newsman, who went through this in Vietnam... And who eventually committed suicide, and the suicide was not the PTSD of what he saw, so much as what he did. Right. And he broke down one night and PTSD. told me told me all the horrible things he personally had done and couldn't live with himself. PTSD okay. is what? Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Just want to make sure everybody got that.
2: Right. <laughs> Uh, well yeah I mean it's it, it is and and these guys were fresh and uh, they still um, have the dust on their boots of Iraq and and they came back and, and uh, one of them Jacob Burgoyne who is serving a 20-year sentence um,
0: isn't he in a mental hospital?
2: He should be. But, uh, but no, he's not. He, he, was, he told them. He filled out a questionnaire. They give all these guys a questionnaire to, to fill out about their what they think their mental state is like. He had already tried to kill himself and failed. Um, and they asked him on this questionnaire, did he feel like he was a danger to himself or his fellow soldiers? And he said yes. That he was.
1: So what we, do they do with the guy that that makes the, the, what do they do? I mean if, well, if he you say it on the street here he, he
2: in back to Fort Bidding. Yeah. Um he's he is escorted directly to Martin Army Hospital there at Fort Bidding for right. evaluation. Uh-huh. The doctor talks to him for 5 minutes on the telephone. And that's sends it. him out. Yep, sends them well, out. Have a good time. I'll see you Monday. Well, I mean, Richard-
1: for for those of us outside of Fort Benning that walk the real world, well, that's a pretty well-known fact. It's called a 5150. And you mm-hmm. say that, uh, if you say it out loud, and, and a professional or even non-professional hears you and you, charge, and you can be charged three days, you're gone, no rights, you're through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the soldiers aren't uh, five minutes with a doctor and he's back out on the street? Yep. Five
2: minutes with a doctor, and he was back out on the street, and Richard Davis uh, was dead within less than 24 hours of that time.
1: So continue the story here, because now he's dead. (laughs) Uh, How did they say he died?
2: Well, what happened was, is um, Lanny Davis, Richard's father, who has since passed, um, gets a call uh, that Monday. (sighs) is richard there you know they were you know introduced himself said i'm calling from fort benning richard didn't show up he's he's wall and Lanny's like wait a minute i didn't even know my son was back he's at baghdad airport and they said no we just got back richard's plan was to surprise his parents and so Mm -hmm. he did not tell them exactly when he was coming back he wanted to surprise them
1: so he was Uh, he came back to fort benning his parents live where
2: in missouri okay they were in missouri thank you and um anyway he says "No, my son would not go a while something's wrong and he says well if he shows up there give us a call well you know of course any parent it's that's not enough but yeah he starts, he starts looking for him and he's calling fort benning calling fort benning and uh th- they're not they're not looking for him lanny's looking for him they're not looking for him the fort benning uh, investigators And uh, long story short, it took them four months to start looking for for Richard Davis. And that was only after Lanny Davis had contacted his congressman um, and raised hell. Well, the Davises had been out of their minds. They were. They were about out of their minds. And and, um, it it was a horrible thing. Lanny went to um, Fort Benning uh, during that period of time and try, nobody would talk to him. He says, I'm just here trying to get somebody to look for
0: And here's, the, let, let me make it clear, this Lanny is himself a, a veteran.
2: Lanny w- uh, was a retired military policeman and Vietnam vet, yes.
0: Jeez. Okay. And he sure. shows up at uh, Fort Benning, and they, uh, instead of greeting him with open arms, is here's uh-huh. a veteran, and he's looking for his son, let's help him out, they give him the cold shoulder. What year, oh, absolutely. What, 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 what year are we in? This, this
2: is, is uh, 2003. Okay. This is 2002. My
1: friend's brother's running Fort Benning now, so I've got a little concern. <laughs> All right, keep, okay. keep, keep going, keep going.
2: <laughs> okay, well, he, um, within, the, a call came from Washington. We're still not exactly sure who made the call. Uh, but there, there was reason to believe it came from uh, Rumsfeld's office, but we don't know this for certain. Anyway, they get a call, Fort Benning does it, you better find this soldier. And uh, within three and a half to four days, they had found Richard's um, remains and made arrests. Where
1: were there, where were the remains?
2: They were in a small wooded area uh, right near a family park in Columbus, Georgia. And um,
1: what led was, them what led them there? Well, apparently
2: there was some pressure applied. Once that phone call came down that you better find Richard Davis, um, the um, CID started pulling members of his company in to their offices. If you heard anything, you better tell us if you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, come to find out, it was really kind of an open secret that Richard Davis was dead.
1: How far away from Fort Benning was this park?
2: Uh, I would say in terms of minutes, it may have been 10 minutes
1: Was there any signs that that body had been moved and placed there?
2: Well, there was some speculation that it had been placed there after. Uh, Lanny Davis always felt like that maybe the murder took place on base and that they put his body there. Uh, We were never able to prove that because, of course, by the time his remains were found, it was... You know, there wasn't much that would right. would uh, tell you anything of that nature.
0: Well, if I'm correct, me if I'm wrong here, but there's been like three funerals for this poor fellow. as he gradually Two. get all the body parts?
2: Two. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened is when I first um, met Lanny, the first thing he said to me because I grew up near Fort Benning, and the first thing he said to me was, "They they won't give me my son's bones back," and I said, "What?" and he said i keep asking them to give me richard's remains back for a proper burial but they tell me that they need them in case of appeals now by this time um the trials the first trials were already over i said that doesn't make sense and um uh, so you know i pick up the phone and i make a couple of calls because i knew some people there and i thought well maybe it would help and uh it just wasn't happening. I mean, I was told, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we we'll just keep a small portion of the remains just for DNA purposes," which still didn't make sense. They, nobody disputed who those remains belonged to. They had already been identified. They didn't. They never even used them in court. They used a um, a, a fake skeleton to,
1: for demonstration. Whoa! Uh, 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 for, what do you mean a fake skeleton for demonstration?
2: Well, you know, they weren't. Technically speaking, the remains were not admitted into evidence. Uh, well, well, did they, for, did, for the purposes of court. Did
1: they do a DNA analysis of these remains? They
2: did, they did uh, later, but what they had done was um, dental. They had identified him by his dental
1: Don't records. Understand. It's a botched yeah. job.
2: It, it, was, was, the, it was The whole was thing is mess. screwy. My it's, God. the whole thing. It's okay. so, yeah, it was just unbelievable. I mean, uh, Lanny would say it was like the Keystone Cox, and, but it was also by design. Um, there were a lot of things that these um, young men had witnessed and took part in in the invasion on Iraq, and they did not want this getting out in public. Um,
0: what well, do you Fort think? Benning, think he was gonna Benning say didn't something? want it
2: getting out in public. Hmm?
0: Well, the, the guys that killed them, I probably may were, may not be so concerned, but for Benning was probably concerned. For
2: Benning was more concerned with that. They were calling in uh, all the officers and saying, "You keep you keep this quiet." Uh, Because, see, their commander, Baker Company's commander, at that time, had been served papers that he was being investigated for a whole slew of crimes, um, uh, including murder. And they didn't want this becoming public knowledge. And...
0: So they're just covering everything up, trying to cover their ass. Meanwhile, you got a very dead American soldier killed by his his right. own uh, company. Character. His own people, yeah. right? And, and to then, tell c- the and truth then, about then, what happened
2: at that, to tell the truth about what happened with that crime would mean revealing what they did not want revealed, and that is that the company commander was um, them, had been served piper's for murder.
1: But they but they let they they let Burgoyne out of they had him they let him out and then he, then the murder happened so right. so and and his, i don't want to give up your whole book here um <laughs> well, yeah it's, okay. it's but, okay but my my goodness uh, i mean do we have a lawsuit here what, i mean what i mean i mean if, if, let's let's put aside the fact that this is just bad news and, and we're going to have to take a 60 second break
0: you can contemplate the answer to the, the question listen to the, the book bro? a murder baker company We'll be right back in 60 seconds on True Crime Uncensored. There are some things in life that just don't go together. But listen to this. You take one drop-dead gorgeous woman. You add an incredibly wealthy, handsome man. You put them together. They have all the money, clothes, jewels, drugs, alcohol they could possibly want. Well, then you throw in a Glock 9mm handgun, and it's all good fun until someone gets killed. Fatal Beauty, the shocking true story of beautiful Rhonda Glover, who put 13 bullets from a Glock 9mm into her boyfriend of 15 years, Jimmy Jost. Oh, she said he was abusive. The friend said he was passive. Either way, he was dead. Fatal Beauty, available January 2011 from Pinnacle True Crime by Burl Bear, living legend, true crime author, and trust me, he's brilliant, I know it, because I am Burl Bear, author of Fatal Beauty.
3: If you own an iPhone or ride a plastic pony in front of Albertsons, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam while the is burning and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go.
2: Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application. The smoking, and drinking, and interrupting and 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw
3: Radio. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week. Now available in the iTunes App Store.
0: Back to True Crime Uncensored. Hi, I'm Burl Bear. That's right. we With Howard Burl Lapidus. Bear and Howard Lapinas. Featuring Boy Mark CG Boyer. He's got Ron. And sometimes He's been... Marie Mackie. She's got rock. Uh, well, and Yeah, big, big, big. Uh, <laughs> excuse yeah. me. Cinema produced by Man- Magic Man- Matthew Allen. Who produces Matt Allen? Who in turn is produced by Laurie Downey Jr. And now. I think that's enough. That's enough, okay. Celia McCain is with us today, author of Murder and Baker Company. If you just joined us, a story about uh, Richard T. Davis, uh, who was in Army's 3rd uh, Infantry. And this is the case that inspired the movie Valley of Elah, which we'll get to later. Uh, this guy, this, this kid, 25-year-old, is uh, murdered by people in his own, uh, his own company. Uh, and I don't mean, you know, uh, company as in business, I mean as in uh, the armed services. Taken out to a wooded area, set on fire. And when his father, a Vietnam vet, attempts to find out what happened, he gets nothing but cover-ups, red tape, an incompetent investigation. Uh, Celia, great to have you on the show. Thanks. How did you get involved in this?
2: Well, you know, um, as I had said earlier, you know, I, I grew up near Fort Benning, and um, I heard about the case through family members that, that I have living there. And um, there was just something about Lanny Davis that that touched my heart, and um, I just it was just the right thing to do, to tell this story, because nobody seemed to want to tell it.
1: Were you... Um this is your first book? It's my first book, yeah so, so what were you doing before this inspired you?
2: Well, I was already writing. I was doing a little ghost writing and, you know, editing and mm-hmm. different things in the writing world. Um, and writing, actually I was working on a, a novel, a fiction book, and to put it aside to work on this. Um, Did
1: you ever pick so, that book back up? Uh...
2: You haven't had time, have you? I haven't had time. <laughs> well, that's good. No.
0: That's good news, actually. That's all very right. good. So, but what I find is, being there was such an attempt to cover all this up, how are you able to penetrate into this case and get the the amount of detail and in interviews that you did? I mean, considering that there was such an opposition to having this stuff come out.
1: Well, you're dealing with Fort Benning, Georgia. You're dealing with the military. You're dealing with a lot of people that are just going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of my office. Right. Right. How, how'd, um, you, how'd you work it out?
2: Well, um, Charm. I don't know if it's my <laughs> southern drawl or, or
1: what. Well, they all have southern drawls. You're not going to put that by those guys. Huh? <laughs> but, uh,
2: <laughs> but she's a nice-looking lady. I, don't, yeah. I really don't know. Um, I, it's, I, I got the court transcripts, of course, and um, all the investigative files from CID, Freedom of Information Act, sure. provides. Um, a lot of interviews. I'm telling you the, the, um, the veterans. Um, Involved that that were here when it happened. There when it happened. Excuse me. They were wonderful.
1: What was the aha moment for you?
2: There were many aha moments. Um, I think as going through the court transcripts and realizing what was left out and why it was left out, and understanding the law. Um, as it pertains to to this. Um, people would say, well, why, there were four guys there. Why did Jacob Burgoyne, who many assumed was the, the, the leader, because he had always been the leader of, of these guys. Uh, he's a big, brawny uh, man. Um, and, you know, he, it just... He is a very beautiful but he was a navy brat. So. Guess you don't
0: know what mood around a lot
2: yeah a little around yeah moved around a
0: lot but um confirmed gang member
1: it's it's a no
2: no you don't get a confirmed gang member in the military they don't have a gang problem
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I forgot i was I, you know what i wasn't listening <laughs> yeah yeah no. but i mean uh, when when lanny shows up mm-hmm. at benning trying to get some straight answers and not getting any mm-hmm. isn't he approached by uh by a, by a military person who tries to tell him something
2: well, he had, he had walked in to, to Fort this office to meet uh, um, with some people there, and, of course, they were refusing to meet with him. We can't help you, you know, we're in a meeting, so-and-so's in the meeting. Well, he was standing just in the middle of this uh, foyer, you know, and looking around, and um, he just, just was gra- grasping at straws, you know, and saw this young kid, you know sitting on a bench out there and he says hey you wouldn't happen to know richard davis he said you mean specialist davis and he said yes he said that's my son have you seen him and about that time the man that he had hoped to meet with hollers out get in here talking to the young soldier so he never got anything out of him and then later people just started making little calls to him and telling him that Richard had actually been in a serious situation while they were waiting to come home in Kuwait, where he had been cut with a knife and and beaten until he passed out
3: Mm. at that
2: point in what what appeared to be a gang initiation. He did not want to be in a gang. He he was uh, Caucasian, and his mother is Filipino, and it gave him a Hispanic look. And so there were some guys that were in a mexican gang who wanted him to join up with them and he's like no i'm not mexican meaning you don't want me in your mexican gang i'm not mexican you know um i'm not trying to single out mexican gangs okay we have a problem with all kinds of gang skinheads you name it um but it was always he was always trying to stay away from them while they were waiting. That six weeks they were waiting for six weeks to come home from Kuwait.
1: Why did they kill him?
2: Nobody knows.
1: Um, speculation. I mean, speculation yeah.
2: is that Lanny Davis went to his grave believing that Richard was killed because he had witnessed Lieutenant Colonel John Charlton illegally shooting Iraqi prisoners.
0: So to cover it up, that's why he was killed.
2: That was That's what why. Lanny. Yeah, believed. but th- you know they
0: could have. Wow, they killed him because of
1: that.
2: That they, was what Lanny believed.
1: Scared the crap out of him. You know, it's, least, never right. it's never
2: been proven. Right, never been proven. But that. But was,
1: why was, that was such a? so see, like, a, 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 a hundred stab wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh Somebody was pissed. Or just
0: playing out of their mind. Well,
2: Well, it got got deliberate. It was a little more deliberate than that because it took a long time to kill Richard. Um, Richard didn't go down without a fight. He kept jumping back up to his feet even after being stabbed several times.
1: What number is he dead?
2: (sighs) Who knows? Um, I think he was probably stabbed... um, 10 to 12 more times after
3: um, he was
2: down for good because there was one moment where he was stabbed. He was laying on his stomach and he was stabbed up around the neck area and it hit certain arteries in there that would have instantly killed him. He was going to bleed to death.
1: Whether was they, uh, well, one man or uh, several?
2: <laughs> well, according to <laughs> it depends on who you believe. Um, I believe you. Okay. Well, personally, I can only really go by the court transcripts, and the court transcripts say that one man, Alberto Martinez, was the sole stabber. Um, I find that hard to believe. Me too. And.
1: When you say there's 100 stab wounds and it was hard for him to go down. It was hard. At some point, he was probably, I feel he was held down. And I'm just. He uh, was
2: I think what happened was, and this is just my gut telling me this, is that Richard was first stabbed in the side. That's what's on record. He was stabbed in the car. On the way, they pull him out of the vehicle when they find a secluded spot. They surround him. I think one of the guys, I'm not going to say who because I'm not sure, uh, held him back, held him. So this so is the, that they
1: premeditated taking him for this ride. Absolutely. Okay. It was premeditated. Okay. It was
2: premeditated. It was not something, oh, let's pull over and kill Richard got it. Davis.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they've got him in the car. They take him out to the, mm-hmm. you know, the secluded area. They stop the car. They mm-hmm. all get out, however many of them are. Surround there him. They surround him and go. They put a
2: hood over his head.
1: Oh, even better. Okay. Oh
2: well, see, and, and here's the thing: when I asked where that hood was mm-hmm. and why it wasn't brought up in court, because a hood over the head suggests uh, execution. No,
1: that's a flat out um, execution.
2: And nobody in Muskogee County, Georgia, could tell me where that hood went. But it was there. All I wanted to know... Check
1: eBay on that, would you, Burl? Right.
2: (laughs) I couldn't... Nobody would say... We don't know where it's at. We don't know where it's at. What are you talking about? What hood? There was a hood on him. It's in the documents. There was a hood over his face. Did it have holes in it? That's what I wanted to know because Richard had been stabbed 14 times in the head. Did it have holes in it? So before or after, it was important because if it was before... It was definite execution style, definite planning. It, it adds a whole other layer. If it was after, then we could say what I did learn was that it was Jacob Burgoyne who did admit to me that he put the hood on Richard Davis when he went back, because he went back out a week later to move his body because it was stinking and people could smell it, and they were trying to move it deeper into the woods.
1: So this was, but this was out off the base.
2: Off base.
1: Okay, and and the smell was bothering whom?
2: Well, one of them, Alberto Martinez, drove by the area just to case it out because it's really even though it's in the woods, it's in a kind of a public place. Mm-hmm. And um, he went by and he could smell it from the road.
3: Mm, he could uh,
2: smell Richard from the road, and so he said, "We've got to go back. We've got to move his body because people are going to smell it. They're going to find him." And they go out there, and they tried to dig a hole, but that Georgia clay was too hard, and they couldn't dig. And so they just covered him up more with bushes. And it's at that time that Jacob Burgoyne tells me he put the hood over Richard's face because he could not stand to look at him.
1: Uh, How could he stand the smell?
2: I I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, they were but used to this sort of thing. You're talking about Iraqi
2: war veterans. Yeah. have seen a lot, smelled a lot.
1: Well, yeah, I know, but he's going, you know, like, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, doctors really can't smell anything. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Well, because yeah. They, they they smell so much and see so much, it just it becomes, you know, mm-hmm. but somebody smelled something, you know, yeah. from the well, side then, of the then
0: road. The, then the thing of, of setting fire to the body.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, when did that happen?
2: That happened the night after they were through killing him. They drove to a nearby convenience store and got lighter fluid and, and matches. How they made one of them made it in and out of that convenience store covered in blood, I will never know. But they did, and they go back and they douse him. So, sport.
1: hang on a second. Let me get this straight. They go to uh, their local convenience store mm-hmm. to buy some uh, lighter fluid and matches covered in blood, and I'm the what? guy behind the counter, and I see covered in blood boy uh, with the uh, now wants fire material. <laughs>
3: Yeah, uh, how you think the hell that would
1: uh, you know set off a few alarms? That would set off some alarms. You you looked at the record. Was anybody from the convenience store brought in? No,
2: they never interviewed anybody at
1: the convenience
0: store. Hold on a second, we're being strafed. Okay, now, why not?
2: Me I, mean, well, I know, I know. Now. It's yeah, a rhetorical yeah. question. But well, The thing is, is, is there was a concerted effort. There was more conspiracy. If anybody wants to look... I hate throwing... I hate using that word. But if you want to talk about the conspiracy in this case, the real conspiracy came after the murder and the attempts to hide the fact that four soldiers had done this to one of their own. And one thing I've learned about the military when they're trying to hide something, they're very good at it. They don't care how idiotic they look. Either. As long they as
0: said, they get it covered up.
2: Yeah. That's it. They don't care. They're in control. They don't care. They answer to no one. So um, there was a concerted effort to keep this quiet because, for instance, they put Jacob Burgoyne on the stand, and I've told Jacob Burgoyne this directly, and he agrees with me. So they, they put, you know, they picked you on the stand as their star witness because there's a little legal thing. You cannot impeach. A, the state's star witness. Which means you can't what? bring up any of their past violent crime history.
0: That's a weird... Is that, is that in military law? Or is that,
2: that civilian.
0: Wow. State, the local, so they, the state? State star witness is immune from any sort of impeachment on their credibility? Well, that's complete crap. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's
2: just unless, me. Unless uh-huh. it is documented in uh, like if they've been arrested and tried and so there's convicted,
1: a rec- so there's a record. That record could be brought. A, the record could be brought into court,
2: if, right? If there's a conviction, no conviction. But see the things that were going on in the military, the civilian world had no way of knowing that, that um, uh, Jacob Burgoyne had put somebody in a coma. He had socked, uh, hit one guy so hard uh, that he, he was he put him in a coma.
1: Mm-hmm. Fine fellow. Uh,
2: yeah, and yeah. the guy actually ended up having to leave the military after that, and to this day wears a colostomy bag. They had to remove part of his brain. They kept Jacob Burgoyne. How
1: is a case like this different than, like, a, a Pat Tillman-friendly fire case? Well... If you're familiar um, with that case.
2: Yeah, I'm very familiar with right. that case. Um I don't know. I think, well, Pat Tillman, the difference is Pat Tillman was famous.
1: Well, Pat Tillman played in the NFL and quit. his he'd been career. Joe Schwartz from uh, Pivenyville, Ohio. Hang on, and i will finish it. He, he, he was, he, you know, all of a sudden reported that he was shot in action. He quit the NFL to, to go over to Iraq. He, it was reported he was shot. Now, the truth is, is he was shot friendly fire, and they covered the damn thing up.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, there are also those that don't believe it was actually friendly fire, but so, that's another story. Um...
1: Well, what do they think it was? Well, there are a lot of
2: people uh, that believe that it was an out-and-out murder and um, that, you know, they could see that it was Pat Tillman, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were shooting. Um, but you know again I'm not as exactly an expert on that case but no. just in this world of dealing with this type of stuff well, uh, you're, you're the
1: you're the person that' I'm, I've talked to that knows more about this than anybody and you're you're kind of leading the charge uh, and that's a good thing and I applaud you and uh, you. I, I applaud this book but uh, one thing that it uh, once a show we actually talk about how we do this burl is of course the true crime writer and he reads the book I don't read the book <laughs> I decide during the show whether I'm going to buy <laughs> the book, not ask for a free copy, but buy the book and read it. I'm buying your book and I'm going to read it because it is just so damn fascinating to me. And and upsetting. It's ups- and, and Absolutely upsetting. So I look forward to to the read on this thing
0: and hope others join me with uh, with that. Well, one what, what other uh, spin-off of this, and of course there was a movie made that I want to ask you about, because I've seen the film with Tommy Lee Jones and the Valley of Elow, which is based on this case. Now, they did fictionalize it to a certain degree. Uh, what, what was your... Probably a lot of people in the listening audience have seen the film, or will watch the film. Uh, what's what's the uh, what's your take on the movie?
2: Okay, it was highly fictionalized, um, but there is a complete thread of truth through it. Um, it it's amazing how uh, Haggis was able to capture um, the emotions.
0: Now, Paul Haggis is the writer and director. He did Crash, in the Valley of the right. Million Dollar Baby, Quantum of Solace.
2: Right. Now, he's, 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 he's brilliant, in my opinion.
0: And, yeah. I, and I, I invented Paul Haggis, by the way. Hey, did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I did. I hey, did, you?
1: That's another story. Well, congratulations. You know. Thank you.
2: <laughs> um, I, I loved the movie. Um, I think it was before its time. Um, I know that it was a hard movie to get to get publicized.
0: And, uh, now did Tommy Lee Jones capture the uh, the real guy Lanny did he play the father
2: Absolutely uh, it absolutely he walked like him he talked like him that pained look on his face was Lanny Davis
1: Well you don't um, get a bad performance out of this guy oh, I mean you it, don't get a bad no, performance I've out always of this been guy.
2: a fan of him right. and right. but when I saw that I realized that he wasn't just a great actor he was brilliant and because I know or knew lanny davis and so to see him actually even dressed like him
0: so it, that was, was the most the most accurate part of the film was his portrayal of the father yes
2: there were two other things one was and lanny and i would laugh about this sometimes is, um he there was one section in the movie where you know he had told his son <clears throat> the character hank had told his son you know to wear a pantyhose while he was in bosnia to cut the cold He said, just don't get shot wearing them. Um, Lanny did tell Richard to do that, and Richard did use his dad's old Vietnam bag. He wouldn't use the one that they issued to him. He wanted to use his dad's. That's the truth, uh, you know, in it. But um, generally speaking, it's a very true-to-life film.
0: But they did kind of lighten it up a little bit in terms of the military aspect of the gangs and that sort of stuff?
2: No. Um, well, he didn't go into the... If I'm understanding you correctly, he didn't... He, he did not water it down um, too much, but it was watered down, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, because, it's- you know, when you're trying to fund a film, I've learned... You have to make sir, you have to make people happy so they'll fund your film. And uh, when you're dealing with a big conglomerate like Warner Brothers, um, they have a say in how far you go with a politi- they considered this- they actually considered this an anti-war film and it was not. It well,
1: it could have been considered an anti-military film, I thus an, an anti-war that. film, thus uh, you know, against the administration policies of the time. Well,
2: they, I guess I guess some people would look at. I didn't see it as either. I just saw it as well. You're looking as, as at a pure case, right? Right. It was just more enlightening to, to me. Um, if if I didn't know anything about it, I wouldn't think this is anti-military, anti-war. Um, I would think, well, this is kind of you know we need to be on the lookout for these things, you know.
1: Tell me about uh, Michael Stallman. Are you, are you going to write about that?
2: I am writing about that, yes.
1: What is that case?
2: Okay, uh, Colonel Michael Stallman, uh, the Marine colonel, um, who grew up traveling the world with his father, who worked um, with one of the founding um, directors of the Peace Corps, appointed by John Kennedy directly. <sighs> um. He entered the Marine Military Academy at 14. By the time he died in at Camp Ramadi, Iraq, uh, he was getting ready to retire, and this was like at 45 years of age. This happened in 2008. The man was on his way home for leave, and then shortly thereafter he was going to be retiring to his lovely wife and children, and he was found with a gunshot wound to the left side of his head on july 31st 2008 and he was still alive but you know, not conscious he he, was in a vegetative state and his wife just never believed it that he had committed suicide and of course she was treated as a widow in denial and but the first clue that she had was that he had shot himself with his left hand when he's right-handed
0: that's a good tip-off
2: that was the first clue it does happen but we have since proven that it did not happen that way. Um, That woman has been remarkable in her dedication to proving that her husband was murdered. And she has proven it with forensic science. And, um, of course, the Marines are not budging. Yeah they won't change the cause of death. So there's a lot of legal wrang- wrangling going on that I really can't get into, but this is a man that was at the forefront of some of the most dangerous events going on in terms of uh, corrupt contractors and, and some of the legal cases, such as Haditha, that um, have taken place with our Marine Corps.
1: But let's uh, let's pretend that he didn't commit suicide.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This was no, not didn't. this was okay this was not a gang situation no, what do you no. think this one was?
2: Well, my gut tells me it was a fellow marine
1: okay, how come
2: uh, just because of it happened in his chew, which is uh short for a contained housing unit um even though there were some security problems at Camp Ramadi with people coming and going that shouldn't be there, it would have to be somebody that really knew him, knew where his chew was, because it's like a, a maze of little white trailers. You would have to know where you were going, the number, you know. Um, okay, assume all that.
1: He was targeted. Why? He
2: was targeted. Why? <clears throat> well, there. you can't spit without hitting a reason why somebody may... Uh, have wanted to kill him and um, now that being said personally I believe because of his duties at Camp Ramadi he was the rule of law coordinator it was his responsibility to make sure that Iraq had a functioning legal government and he also had to make sure that our our contractors and people were paying their bills and keeping track of the money Um, in this war that makes a lot of enemies
0: Because there's a lot of money disappearing.
2: There's a lot of billions of dollars disappearing. Um, So I think that he uncovered something, and I think it was somebody he knew, and um, I think they shot him.
0: And he's probably not the only one. But he was...
1: was, I kind of want to drill down on this case, bro, for a second. He was... um, he was he was out of there. He was gone. He was going home. Uh, he was going to be on leave. He was going to just go back, pack his bags, and retire. But he could Absolutely. still talk. But did, did he threaten to talk? Of course he could talk. But did he did he threaten somebody? I mean, what causes somebody to take a gun and blow the guy's head off?
2: Well, I do know, you know, again, I have to be careful because there are legal um, things going on with this. I do know that he had had a meeting um, the day before, with whom I don't know, but they say that he was uncharacteristically uh, angry with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that. And, um, you know, again, I have to be really careful here because yeah. they're, they're illegal. This is okay. we, do, we don't want okay. you to... yeah,
1: That's fine. That's fine. Now, was there any kind of suicide note?
2: Uh, there was a note. Uh, it was an email. Okay. That when we received copies of the email, it had two different dates. In time as to when it was sent. So we're not sure that how. Can, that I mean, that, can, to that
1: can happen. It's ha- that can happen. But what did it say?
2: The note simply said uh, Kim, that's his wife. Right. I'm sorry for what you were about to hear. You and the girls are the best thing that ever happened to me. I will always love you. That's it. Uh, That's okay.
0: also uncharacteristic of him to do. It that. was
2: very uncharacteristic of him. I have all of his emails.
1: That ju- doesn't make sense, guys. I mean, mm-hmm. that that whole the, the the one the two lines don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And then he picks up the gun and, and shoots himself. No, no.
2: That no. very morning, twelve hours before this email was received by Kim, she had received a, a different because they they emailed regularly, you know, every sure. day, sometimes twice a day. Okay. And earlier that day, he was in a great mood. Oh, I can't wait to get home. Everything you know, he had just returned from a trip to from Fallujah. And she had sent him an email saying, "Hey, how are you? How'd it go?" And he mm-hmm. comes back with this email saying, "Hey, everything's great."
1: You know. So there was no thread of depression throughout no. his emails. Nothing no. that even pointed that maybe this guy's got some weird, saying thoughts. A suicide is going to a suicide no. is going to tip you off.
2: No more Absolutely than none. Not any.
1: All right, so he didn't kill himself. So he was murdered. No, he didn't. Okay. He didn't. It, right.
2: But even besides all that, the forensic science has proven that it was impossible.
1: What, what did the forensic science say? Well,
2: like, again, I, I, I'll tell you this much. Like, I had to be careful. It's okay.
1: Um, I'm having a ball, though, trying to get this out
2: of
0: here. Don't get her not in I trouble. <laughs> no, not we get don't want
1: to read about her getting shot. i nah, not going to get her in trouble.
2: Oh, they don't I'm know where worried. she is,
1: and that's the good thing. I don't know where she I'm is.
2: I'm not worried. They, right. I've got something waiting on them if they show up. But, <laughs> there you no, go. Figured it, this um, that. If, 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 <laughs> I, I'm seriously not.
1: I, I figured that, kiddo. <laughs> um,
2: if, all right, for, for their um, hypothesis to be correct, Michael Stallman would have had to shot himself, held his eyeball in the socket as it hung out, and got up, and moved around the room, and made many different movements.
1: I do that all the time. Yeah.
2: yeah. So. <laughs> that that is where I'll leave that but yeah. I can tell so, you I, uh, well, it, when,
0: absolutely. When, are, when are we going to see that book do you think
2: well
0: ask, um, ask Frank Weinman
2: ask well, no, Frank ask, Weinman
1: <laughs> if, if, if Frank is obviously the publisher but let, <laughs> no no Frank Weinman the agent Well, it agent again yeah. with the Frank Weinman
2: right,
1: right. Uh, so soon uh, within the year
2: I, I'm hoping um, okay. the,
1: yeah, I,
2: I'm, I'm hoping so I well, we're still writing it and um
0: before we uh, run out of time here, there's something else I want to get to, and that is when I said he's not the only one, there are a lot of service people who supposedly have committed suicide or accidental death by trying to commit suicide by folding themselves in an ironing board and other absurd things such as that. Absurd things. Uh, and there is a website that, in fact, I posted a link to it uh, was it Don? You have to give me the name, Noncombatant. Uh. uh
2: well, let me give you this one because. Stupid
0: me, Ways it's of it's Dying dot <laughs> com is that. No. It? No.
2: Mil- military Um. It, it. The official launch will be in March, but there's already a copy of a petition we have up to Congress um, for a bill of rights for, for bereaved military families because right now our military families do not have a right to ask questions and to give an, uh, honest answers, <laughs> and so we want to change that.
1: Um, Was it, in fact, Lanny uh, Davis that really inspired you to continue to, I mean, you're carrying a torch here.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, there's a big part of me that does this for Lanny.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't blame you. That, what that man went through and family went through, the hell they went through trying to find out what the hell happened to their son. And for America, by the way. And, and I appreciate As an American,
1: I appreciate what you're doing, and I mean that. Well,
2: thank you so much.
1: Yeah, this is uh, important work,
0: and I think we should uh, get to that website. And, you know, Please, uh, and
2: sign that petition. Yeah. Sign that petition.
0: Yeah, The book that she wrote that we started off talking about, Murder and Baker Company, is available uh, in um, in mass-market paperback, Also,
2: on, uh, you know, it's
0: available for Kindle, good, yeah. for download or hardcover. Can uh, I grab it on my iPhone today? Yeah, you can. I can? Okay, yeah, good. And well worth it. It's a fascinating book, but it's very upsetting to read because it pisses you off is what, is what it does. <laughs> so, I've been th-
2: pissed off for years. Sylvia, so, yeah, thanks
0: for joining us and we, we
2: for look forward you.
0: to having you back for the uh, Michael Stallman book. Well,
2: thank you very much.
0: Okay, say hi to Frank for me. Okay.
2: Alright.
0: <laughs> right, thanks. thanks. Next week, we go we had a great, uh, great one. Well, we have the uh, uh, the author, and uh, she's put so many awards, It's ridiculous. Be five weeks in a row with uh, with uh, women. Yeah, well, it. it just keeps going. It's she, uh, I guess, next week wrote the uh, the goodbye door about the first female serial killer to die in the electric chair, and also about the Olympic gold medal winner, a college professor having a torrid affair and murders his lover. And that's next week on True Crime Uncensored. Coming up next. Oh, come on. Magic, Matt Allen. Take it, Howard. Oh, that has gone. Hey, they killed Howard's mic. There, it's back. It's back.